Cusick Podcast. You're listening to Good Is In The Details. I'm Gwendolyn Dolsky. And I'm Rudy Sallow. And this is the podcast where we learn what we didn't know we didn't know in the spirit of Socrates. Rudy, do say I, something. Do I, need, do, I need to say, do I need to say again for the third show in a row how I'm so happy that we've actually come up with our, what is that? It's not our hub. Yeah, we it's our, came it's up our brand. with the show. It's our, it's, our it's, our, uh, it's our spiel. We finally came up with our spiel. Now when somebody asks us, well, what the hell is your show all about? We can say, oh, we talk to experts to learn what we didn't know. Wait, how, do we, how would I say that? We didn't you, you didn't know, know we didn't you didn't know. know. Yeah. Uh, in the spirit of Socrates. And they'll say, well, what does that mean in the spirit of Socrates? Which would mean what, Gwen? What does that actually mean? Well, you know what? As a lawyer, you would appreciate the Socratic method. So it's the initiation of learning through questions that you discover the truth within yourself. You know what? I remember um, I was one time it was when I was on campus and I was listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson, his podcast, and he was taking questions from people. And one of the questions was, um, how much does the earth weigh? And I was thinking, God, that's an interesting question. And then the answer is it's weightless because it's in space. And I kind of smiled and I thought, oh, I didn't know that I didn't know that. So there is something I can see you thinking about it. <laughs> it's weightless. Now there's a mass to earth, but it doesn't weigh anything because it's in space. And so that would be an example where you're like, oh, I didn't know that I didn't know. And that's, there's a joy in that. And I think that, you know, one of the goals of the podcast is, to kind of unearth that, kind of to reconnect that, because I think a lot of times, especially today, we confuse information with knowledge or with wisdom. And really wisdom is this humility where you are curious and you're you know, interested in the world and open to learning what you didn't know you didn't know, and that there's a real joy. That's part of what it means to enjoy your life. Really I can't believe I didn't know that the earth didn't was weightless. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost... I was picturing myself right there. I was like, okay, you used to, you know, before you had kids, you know, my, my wife and I used to like to go out to do trivia night at the bars. And I feel like, okay, if that was one of the multiple choice answers, like, oh, it weighs a trillion, 10 trillion pounds or, you know, it, ha it has a whole bunch of numbers and it has a whole bunch of equations. And then if it had weightless listed there, I'd be like, of course it's weightless. And then that would kind of trigger it to me. But if it wasn't a part of multiple choice, I would literally just, you know, throw out a number, throw out a number, infinity, and look like a complete idiot, which is what I'm sure I look like right now as you're <laughs> watching me try to calculate the weight of the earth. <laughs> That's fascinating in that you do bring up a good point, um, speaking, you know, about lawyers and um, what is it? Oh, the One Socratic of the, method? The correct. Method. The method that's used during the first year of law school, and every law student needs to be made aware of this because it's, it's painful. It's a very painful process. It's the Socratic method. So during your first year when you're learning contracts and you're learning civil procedure and you're learning criminal law, you're learning the standard courses for the first year of law school. You need to have read the cases for the night before because of the teacher may randomly call on you. And it's very, uh, it's portrayed very well in a very um, famous film. Every law student is told to watch this movie. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Gwen, but if you really want to see the Socratic method in play, there's a famous movie called The Paper Chase. It's about- no, I don't um, know it. 
Yeah, I think it's so. Yeah, the the author Scott Turow, who wrote Presumed Innocent, yeah. great film, Harrison Ford, and he wrote a whole bunch of other books. It's about his first year. It's kind of an auto semi autobiography. Uh, I believe it's either he wrote based on a book called One L. Either Scott wrote it or somebody wrote it. Or Scott Turow had some involvement in it. And so the Paper Chase is loosely based on that. It's about his first year of law school at Harvard. And mm-hmm. it's mind-blowing. In fact, if you don't watch The Paper Chase until you get into law school, because if you watch Paper Chase, you will not go into law school because it's all about the Socratic method. Okay, so uh, what are your thoughts about Legally Blonde? Excellent film. <laughs> really, it, it, it's a great film. I thought there was a, there was a lot of truth to that movie. I mean, there's a lot of uh, you know funny things about it. And then people have asked me, "Oh, do you watch Suits?" I guess there's just tons of people that watch Suits, and and I've actually heard from a couple of attorneys that they're like, "Yeah, Suits is a pretty good portrayal of what's it really like to be a lawyer." But they're litigators, and I got out of litigation after the first two years of law school. I've always told people, and they, they some people might take this the wrong way, but the best show that I've ever seen about like the true business of the law and the true weirdness of relationships is Better Call Saul. Uh, The first several seasons of Better Call Saul will give you a very good idea of like the business side and the, the personalities of and the weirdos that can be in the world of the law. And I'm not talking about the criminal aspects of Better Call Saul, but I've talked to several lawyers and they, they agree with me. They're like, Oh yeah, when I've watched Better Call Saul, That'll give you a good idea of what's it like to practice law and be like be in the business of law. And no, I'm not talking about dealing drugs or or anything nefarious. I'm talking about there had to they had to. You're not talking about the fun stuff. I'm not talking about the fun (laughs) stuff. That's right. Uh, they had to have had a lawyer help write that show. Well, I guess this would be a good time to let our listeners know that we are just having some drinks and we are reflecting on good is in the details. Not a lot of drinks. We don't, you know, we're not pushing. You know, speak for yourself, Rudy. I'm just having a, I just had a 70 calorie white claw. And then now I'm having a Miller High Life, extremely low alcohol content. Uh, We're not trying to promote alcohol use, which by the way, uh, in law school, another thing going back to law school, you know, kegs on the quad and alcohol, it's a, it's it's a big part of the law school experience and the, and the experience of being a lawyer. And that's why, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of lawyers uh, suffer from substance abuse. And there's been a lot of focus these days on it, Gwen. So we should not be taking this so lightly. We're not, we are not drunk or drinking heavily at all. So if any clients are listening to this, I just want, this is my disclaimer that I'm putting out there. See, I'm acting like a lawyer right now. Well done. See, I told you when I try to be funny, it doesn't work. I've said, I've said, it It doesn't work. Well, Rudy, you have said on a number of occasions that one of the reasons you wanted to be part of this or you were happy to be part of this is because you were learning, you wanted to do, you wanted to do more learning about, you know, the good life and this and that. So I am just curious to you, is there an episode that stands out to you that we've done where you were thinking, oh, you, know, you had some sort of an aha moment or you looked at things differently, something that impacted you? There's been several aha moments that I've had on this because I'm not a smart man and <laughs> um, any kind of knowledge behind my, beyond Maybe Not my, true, not true. At least you have great hair. I do. <laughs> yeah, you know, as far as like aha moments, 
I'm trying to think of, of something recently that we've um, we've talked about what is comedy and we've, we've tried to get it on a philosophical approach, right? We've yeah. tried to, for multiple reasons, because on this show, we've definitely approached cancel culture, problems with it, the reasons behind it, what's the role of comedians, what's the role of comedy. And on our most recent show with uh, John Thomas, an aha moment was about when we asked John, what is the definition of funny? Which I swear we have asked at least five or six guests because we've had comedians like Jeff Hodge on the show. We've had Aaron Darling on the show. We've had uh, Matt Ritter on the show. And we, we also had uh, your friend Brent Smalls on the show. And we've always kind of asked this question about what is what is funny? And, and John actually came up with the, with the best answer that I've heard. And it's, oh, it's all about relatability. Mm-hmm. If you can capture in a joke something that's relatable, um, then people are going to find it funny. And the reason why that was such a big aha moment for me is clearly I'm always trying to be funnier. For many, many, many episodes that we've done, I, we have, you and I have begged guests for them to say that I'm actually funny. We haven't gotten a single comment once that I am funny. So that was the aha moment. It's clearly because I'm not relatable. <laughs> what, what, what about you? I mean, you're, you are a professor, you have a doctorate, but what has been one of your aha moments? I still, I mean, so I'm, I'm always really excited and proud of our episodes. I have to tell you, and maybe because it's one of the more recent ones, but the one on understanding joy about Angela, or let's see, I want to have it right, Dr. Reverend, or is it Reverend Dr. Angela Gorell, her book, The Gravity of Joy. And that has really stuck with me. And her book was so powerful. And I think one of the reasons why I liked it is because I went into reading the book thinking that I was going to get some sort of an academic understanding of joy. And then when it was this, uh, you know, this analysis that was also part autobiographical and so raw and so personal that it was really, really incredible. And I've shared that with my students and I'm always interested in people's stories where they've gone through some kind of tragedy and they've come out on the other side of it more enlightened. And I think that that's what you get from the Understanding Joy episode. And that's also where she talked about, you know, learning about or talking about what is happiness and what is joy when she was going through her own grief. And there was just so much hope and inspiration in her work. And I just absolutely loved that one. I keep going back to that in my mind, like, God, that was just an amazing episode. And you know what? After, after that episode aired, I got emails and texts, emails and texts from different people screenshotting or screen, wait, with a screenshot, can you screenshotting, giving me a screenshot of purchasing her book as a result of that episode. And so I remember I told you about that and that was just so exciting because her work has just skyrocketed on Amazon and she absolutely deserves all of that success. And it was just very cool to play some sort of a small role in that because her book is something that I think everybody, everybody should read. It was just so fantastic. Yeah, Dr. Pearl was on our show twice and the episode that I had a couple of aha moments on was the follow-up episode where we talked about Always On, her other book, uh, Social Media. You know, one of the aha moments that I, that I had during during that particular show was a, where we were discussing about what was needed um, in the United States and that was clearly we need to teach civics. There's only like nine states that require civics and a basic understanding of U.S. government structure and laws related thereto, which is 
I think one of the reasons why we have some problems in this country where we don't know about the separation of powers and uh, abuse of power, executive privilege, the role of the Supreme Court. But then like during that discussion, she and I, or I and she, we, we kind of came up with the idea of, yeah, in addition to civics, we need to start teaching our children. We need to come up with the idea of a digital citizenship course. Yeah. about how to act online, how to not act online, and how you know bullying or doing negative things online could ruin your life. And here are the things that you need to think about and the role of parents in social media and how you know everyone's just so down on social media these days. But her kind of take on it is, yeah, you know, if you want to be negative about it, sure. But what you really need to do is to think about all the good that you can have with social media. You got to have a little bit of self-discipline, which on the second episode that Aaron Darling was on, we talked about self-control and social media. And I've really had a lot of aha moments when we have talked about the benefits and negatives of social media and and why just deleting it and, and just completely ignoring it like it doesn't exist as a parent is literally like being an ostrich and burying your head in the sand. You re- we, you and I, as you know, parents of young children, we're going to have to take this head on. If we, yeah. if we don't learn now how to properly socialize our t- children to social media, we're going to have a lot of pain. And those have been several, several episodes have provided those kind of aha moments for me. Yeah, I recently gave a talk. I was on a philosophy panel for um, the Pop Culture Association. So it's academics talking about pop culture. And I had a chance to be on the same panel with Professor Green, who is the author of Spoiler Alert, who we had on for Don't Spoil That. And I, my paper was heavily influenced by Dr. Gorel's work. And I talked about this shift from the ancient Greeks idea that what it means to live life well and the moral life and the enjoyable life is an emphasis on character, which is an emphasis on your talent, on your capacity to reason, on your mind, that that is actually what makes life good. And what has happened with social media is that there has been this shift, or this was my argument, that there's been this shift from character to image. And they're not one and the same thing. And that there's the benefit to being older, to not having, I mean, not that much older, but you know, you're older, so you get Perpetually 25 is an amazing (laughs) thing for you to to achieve. But 25 is older than 10. So yes, please go on. There's this advantage to, we were not born with a phone in our hand. And so we remember when, remember pre-social media. So we are able to, I think we have more control with stepping away from it as opposed to younger people where it is their life, that is their sense of connection, and it's not working out. It's causing more depression. It's causing so many more problems. So I was just interested in that shift from character to image. And I think that the ancient Greeks had it right that the the good life or the enjoyable life is really when you are you know, you are working in the activity of the mind. That's when life is good. That's when life is fun. That's when you are interacting with others. And psychology today has actually demonstrated that that's true, that you get far more happiness from the non-materialistic things. You don't have to be anti-material. It's just that if there's weighing, then one is better than the other and you can't swap them out. I take from what you said for my own selfish reasons, but what I take from that is when you're exercising your your the creative side of yourself and you're cre- you're creating something whether it's a joke whether it's a skit or whether it's a movie or whether it's a novel or whether it's something like that that really is joy if mm-hmm. I think if your purpose behind it is not oh man I'm gonna do I'm gonna do X 
because I know it's going to sell and I'm going to make just tons of money from it and I'm going to get fame from it. Okay. That might give you a brief taste of some kind of a joy, but that's not, that's probably not going to be everlasting joy. If you're doing something creative and you're not looking for money and you're not looking for fame and you're not looking for likes, but you're doing it because the act of creating is giving you joy. That's the best thing for you. I think, I think that that, that's what I interpret of what you're saying. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Fame and money should be, or can be the byproduct, but they shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be an expansion of self and fame and money might come from that, but we can also think of really great people where they didn't have that. So it's not a necessary condition, but I think that what we've had is that fame and money is the goal as opposed to understanding that it is the byproduct of the character and the talent development. And I think that social media has made it like image, 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 where we're swapping out character for image. And that can be problematic. And I'm not anti-social media. I mean, you know, like we were just telling, like, I'm just now figuring out TikTok and I'm having kind of a lot of fun with it. Still, you know, learning how it works and everything. So I understand the draw to the creativity and all of that. But at the same time, I have to recognize it's time to retreat. It's time to read or spend time with my daughter because at the end of the day, that is what makes me me. And to not forget that, that I can't determine how well I did in my day by how many people liked whatever it was that I did. In the end, that's not satisfying. I know uh, personally, and I'm related to uh, somebody that's extremely successful um, in social media and TikTok and have talked personally about the fact that they do the whole content thing and there's there's a business purpose behind it. And in fact, they, they actually don't really get that much joy from it. And they hope someday that that'll all be over. The company will be sold and they could stop and they could go back to being their life. They're using social media as a utility and it's been very successful business-wise for them. You know, God bless them. They could do it. But they actually don't get the joy from it because they are like, oh, I have to do X. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for, for uh, you know, a business purpose or a monetary purpose rather than, you know, what you're doing, which are really, you know, funny original uh, skits that listeners should be at least telling you that you're funny because you're actually funny. On <laughs> well, I have to thank you, Rudy. <laughs> I would... You know, it reminds me of when I was studying philosophy, I got the endless question when I was an undergrad of, oh, philosophy, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? And then I realized I would always say I was going to go to law school. Obviously, I didn't end up doing that. But I- Smart. Very smart. You must have, <laughs> you must, you must have watched 1L as a, as, a, as, a college, as a college student. I actually ended up applying to law school. I think I told you this. I applied to law school and grad school at the same time. And then when I was accepted to both, I realized, wow, I really had to be honest about what it was that I was doing. And I realized that I was saying law school to make other people comfortable with the fact that I was studying something like philosophy, where people are saying, what are you going to do with that? And then as I continued my studies in philosophy, people would still be like, when are you going to stop studying? When are you going to stop, you know, just wondering, and what are you going to do with all of that? And you know what I would do to answer? And it threw them off when I say, what are you going to do with that? And I would just say, happiness. And there's like this rage that people would have, like, how dare you? Like, you're not allowed to study something that would just make you happy, you have to do it that it has to be for something else, right? Like some other box. And now look at us, podcast. Aren't you happy I continued philosophy? Uh Uh-oh. I've mentioned this many times. I'm a a hot-tempered person. If you would have said happiness to me, I think I would have, uh, I don't know how I would have reacted. It would have, 
I mean, what a great answer because it would just shut down any 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 <laughs> people. Would, people I would, don't know I mean, what to I do would, with it. I mean, I would look at you with like like with such a baffled look on my face and just walk away that uh, it's it's an excellent answer but seriously what are you going to do with philosophy i mean i am just i just you know i should for my here i am having no one's no one's listening just just tell me right now what are you going to do with this philosophy thing because you can't answer a damn question this is what you do with a philosophy degree you you start a podcast and you drink a canned mango margarita um yeah Uh, and that's how it goes which you, if you had a crystal ball, you would have said, yeah, you know what I'm going to do with this philosophy degree? Someday I'm going to meet up with this, you know, acquaintance from high school and he's going to, he's going to pester me about how I never answer damn questions. And I'm going to, you know, run rings around him and, and make fun of him secretly on a podcast. And it's going to be very, very funny. Who wouldn't want to do that for the rest of the That would have been a great answer. I think that, I mean, really, so, I mean, like the, you know, the, it's an honest answer. I really had to find, like, I can honestly say when people, sometimes some of my students would ask me, like, why did you choose philosophy? And I just compare it and say, I didn't really choose it. It's kind of like, like, uh, you know, tasting chocolate. I didn't choose to enjoy it. It just happened. There was no decision there. But I mean, the choice to continue studying it um, was for me. And honestly, as I was doing it, I didn't know where I was going to go with it. I had no idea. I just knew, and I hope this for my students too, that whatever they're studying, that they're not pressured to fit into a box, but they do follow what they really love. I genuinely, genuinely hope that for my students, because I know for me that there would be some texts that I would read. Like I'd be in the library in grad school or even an undergrad. And I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude for being alive. I don't even know how else to explain it. I would just be fascinated by what I was reading and I would just feel lucky to have encountered the text that I was reading. And I just knew I needed more of it. And now what I do for a living is I basically, as you can see from all my books here, I read stuff and I tell other people about it. That's how I describe my profession. That's what I do for a living. And then for fun, then I get to podcast with you. I'm still looking for happiness. Clearly, (laughs) you know, clearly you made the right choice by going into studying philosophy because I, I, you know, you and I were in, magically, you're still 25. I don't know how. (laughs) We went to the same high school, but. Hey, you know what? Wait, I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. I I was just going to say, you know, I made the decision to go into law school. You made the decision to go into philosophy and you got joy from reading and would text people and be, be happy by reading stuff. And what happens when you go to law school is you learn how miserable you are by reading <laughs> and how much you hate life. And, and that's, you know, that probably leads to a lot of the substance abuse problems that I was mentioning here. Thankfully, I found something in the law that I'm extremely passionate about, and that's infrastructure and infrastructure finance and cities. And and so I got to say, you know, one of my personal favorite episodes of this podcast is the first one I did with you, which was uh, the one on infrastructure, which was the second episode ever. And Season one, episode two. That is one that I share with a lot of people. My law students at Chapman University, I try to share that with them. Anybody that asks me about like, well, what are you all about? I share that episode with them. Yes, it's self-serving, but I, I do feel like it's it a was great a very good, very good episode about what is infrastructure and why, why does it really matter? And I recently... <laughs> I'm going to tie right back into what you're saying. I recently felt joy after reading texts. 
just like you. And it was so much joy. I put it onto LinkedIn, I put it onto Facebook, and I put it onto Instagram. I was reading a book on my favorite highway, which is the Highway 395, which goes from, it basically just takes you through the Eastern Sierras. And I, I don't want to spend time about how weird I am about it. In the very beginning of that book, there's a line that talks about how in 19, whatever, 1910 or 1906, the California legislature put a bond measure on the ballot. And as a result, all of these roads could come out of this bond money that was created. And as a result, the 395 was created and all the highways and, and our state was really built out. And I'm a bond lawyer and I felt joy. I felt tied to something. I was like, oh, this is why I'm such a nerd and like what I do. And so that's the only time in my life where I felt joy from reading text. It was very self-serving because it had to do with my job, but I get what you're saying. Uh, go ahead and, and ask me that question now. Oh, I oh, I was going to put you on the spot. I was going to ask, I had sent you Socrates' defense. Did you ever get a chance to read it? I have not. <laughs> okay. I wish I, wish so, I could. You know what? That's I wish I could great. lie, I mean, but I, my, I can't. My students can relate. <laughs> so that's I, I am your I am one of your students. I have not, <laughs> I have I have not read it. I've been Okay, I'm still giving you that homework. I, no, no, I, I'm going to read it this summer. This summer is all of because COVID was, I mean, we had a lot of great episodes on, uh, you really jumped on top of the pandemic from the very beginning and talked to various experts, health experts. We even had an episode with me that got me even more back involved in this program about the effects of transportation of COVID. Yeah. And I think back about what a great, you know, I like to write, I like to journal, I like to do that type of stuff. And I'm like, oh man, my kids are never going to really know about, you know, what it was really like to go through the pandemic. And I didn't really write that much about it. No, that's not true. We have these recordings. Yeah. These, this, this is, I mean, yeah. oh, social media and the, and the web, this is permanent. We really came up with a great record of talking to all kinds of, I mean, we had Liz Farmer on the show a couple of times and she was talking about, you know, city government, local government, local government funding and the effects of COVID. And we had uh, with a Dahlia lot of Schweitzer talking about virals well, like, or like films that have to do with viruses. And then we have the actual virus happening, a pandemic. Yeah. And she was telling us literally, we had her when she was living in New York, when things were really bad, she was giving us a play-by-play -play about yeah. what it was like in New York City when they were going through their surge. And yeah, those episodes are great. I think they're going to be great historical records. So on that note, something else, I mean, so it's historic because of the pandemic. And so we're recording and working our way through it. But the other thing that's, I mean, kind of special for me is that when we first started, then it was about, I think it was our fourth or fifth episode where we were with, uh, we were interviewing Dr. Tanzavati about plastic surgery or what is beauty for, what does a plastic surgeon have to say about beauty? And I remember when we got to that, that interview, I had done a really intense workout before then. And during the interview, I felt a little bit tired and a little bit off. And I thought, gosh, what's wrong with me? Okay, note to self, never do a workout before you record or a heavy workout. And it turns out, well, the reason why I was so tired was I was pregnant. And so since this, and that was like four or five episodes in. And so there's just been this trajectory that's kind of cool for me that's now on recording. I mean, we did the episode with Jeff Cortezzi, an FBI agent, a lawyer, and a philosopher walk into a podcast. And you even said at the beginning of that podcast 
this is, you know, the next time you are going to be different because it was, I think, two days before my C-section that we recorded that. And so that's all there. And then, of course, now we've got um, my daughter, Zadie. Now she's part of the show and she pops up and you hear her crying every once in a while. So it's also been kind of cool to like have that record of my life of just like the figuring out that I was pregnant and then working through it. The other thing I want to say is for any moms out there listening or anybody who's wondering how can they do career if they want to have children or whatever, I also hope that it gives some inspiration because it was something that I was worried about. But now that we've got the podcast and everything goes with flow, you know, sometimes Zadie's in the background. Sometimes she cries. Sometimes she's quiet. Sometimes I have to mute myself and then you'll take over the interview. But I want it for inspiration that you don't have to do everything perfectly, but that having a child or deciding to take that step in your life does not hinder you from your life, but it adds to your life. And so I just want for women or for anyone who's thinking about families to not be afraid and think, I can't have a child because I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, no, no. You can go ahead and friends and family are there to support you. People are understanding. That's my whole spiel about that. Yeah. What I'd like to say is um, just being at a law firm and we're, we've totally restructured the, our work from home and how things are going to happen. I mean, a lot more people are going to be working from home, period. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be one. My next Forbes.com article is about what are some of the things that, that uh, temporary things that occurred during COVID that should become permanent. And that's going to be, you know, the, you know, the acceptance of, Hey, you know, things happen. Baby might pop on the zoom or something might happen yeah. on a conference call or just, you know, we got to be a little bit more flexible in our lives because we are going to be working from home more. And you're absolutely right. Like you can do it. We just need everybody to kind of, treat each other the same and understand that like we have kids and we are working from home and we need to be a little bit more accepting and flexible of that. And, you know, not, you know, so dismissive of of the importance of wanting to have a family and wanting to have career goals at the same time. That's just going to be the future. In my opinion, I think both of women and men, everybody just needs to kind of accept like you're going to get to know your colleagues, children through (laughs) zoom or through conference calls period. So just accept it. I don't know if there's a philosophical approach to that, but that's just the way it is. I think it's great. One time I was teaching, you know, over Zoom and uh, Zadie was, you know, on the floor and all of a sudden it was quiet. And I, you know, and I'm lecturing to my students and then I realized, uh oh, it's quiet. I had to say, hold on, everybody. And I looked to see what was going on. And Zadie was uh, playing with the cat food and she had already like nibbled a bit on it. So I was like, everybody, hold on just one second. My daughter is in the cat food. But you know what? That's life. Your daughter is not the the first one to play with cat food. Apparently, when I was a child, I really liked dog food. I don't know. I think I turned out fine. That's a that's a whole other conversation. So I mentioned that after Dr. Gorell's episode, that I received texts and emails about her book. So there was a big response to that on my end. I'm wondering from you if there was an episode where you were getting responses or feedback, and you thought, oh wow, it's like there was an episode that really hit friends or family? So I'm a nerd and I'm related to a lot of nerds and I know a lot of nerds. The Mm -hmm. episode that I got a lot of reaction to, and it's great because it's one of my favorite episodes and it's the number one episode that I send to um, all my nerdy fellow relatives and friends is the morality of Batman. Yeah. Yeah. People loved that episode. Oh, that's great. With Mark D. White. Yes. He and I have been following each other on Twitter 
for a really long time. And so it was really cool to actually, you know, somebody that I kind of sort of knew through Twitter to actually connect with and have him on the show. And he was on the show twice. Yeah. Also for what was it? The Virtues of Captain America. Yeah. We're going to have to have him on again. Another favorite of mine. You're right. Those two are the ones, like I said, I'm a nerd and I know a lot of nerds. People just love them. Like they can't, they, I think they went out and bought the books. They, I think they've listened to them a couple of times. They've shared them. They've commented on them. I had one of my law students pick a bone with me during class about uh, who, uh, my thoughts about who played the best Bruce Wayne. (laughs) I mean, yes, that was, that was it. That was the one. I don't know why it wasn't the infrastructure one. I would (laughs) have thought it would have been the infrastructure one um, or the other transportation one, which was all about me, but nope, it was about Batman. You know what? And when I was looking at the analytics, that is one of the top shows too, for sure. Yeah. So the morality of Batman. I know a lot of nerds. (laughs) You're responsible for that. That's awesome. We love Batman. Nerds love Batman. I love Batman. (laughs) Okay. I think that we'll go ahead and wrap it up. You're almost done with your beer. I'm almost done with my mango margarita. I am. All right. So thank you listeners for being part of this show, for listening, for your support, for your comments. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it. And we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at Good Is In The Details Pod. And let's see, Rudy, what's your Twitter handle? Sallow Rudy. So it's my last name and my first name. And then on Instagram, I'm RudySS77. Forbes.com, just type in Rudy Sallow and look me up on LinkedIn. I actually post I post a lot of work, transportation stuff, and videos, educational videos on LinkedIn, and that's just the Rudy Sallow. Okay. I'll, you know what? I'll put that in the show notes. And then also, if you'd like to support the show, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash good is in the details. So you get extra content. There's a book club. And I think that's it, right? We've got more coming up for season two. We're excited. Um, feel free to also email us if you have any comments or questions or suggestions, or if you would like to be a guest on the show, or if you would like to sponsor a show, or are you a business that would like to sponsor the show? We would love to get in touch with you. So good is in the details pod at gmail.com. All right. And we'll see you next time. Have a nice summer, everyone. <laughs> have a good summer. Bye.